Hey, deserving listeners, today's episode is just for patrons of the podcast on patreon.com, but I have a little intro first. This is going to be a deep dive on love bombing. There is a lot of talk about love bombing on the internet and among clients, and I thought I would do a deep dive on it so I could learn more about it and also explain it to all y'all out there. Also, at the end of this episode, I'm going to analyze Big Ed from 90 Day Fiance. Is he a narcissist? Is he love bombing Liz? Did he love bomb Rose? If you're into that show, you might be interested in that at the end of this episode. But first, let's go into the definition of love bombing. There are two main types of love bombing, which are really very different from each other, even though most people will conflate the two on the internet anyway. The first type is the type that is often discussed on the internet, but it's a rare type. And these are my definitions based on my experiences in the literature. So love bombing is a conscious attempt to manipulate and control a person using grand demonstrations of affection. So this is a conscious attempt, meaning the person knows they are love bombing and are doing it on purpose to manipulate and control someone by using very big demonstrations of affection and attention. So essentially the person is giving all sorts of love and attention, particularly at the beginning of a relationship, to manipulate and control someone. And again, this is done on purpose. The person, the love bomber knows they are love bombing. These people are sometimes psychopathic or sadistic abusers. And like I said, this is what is usually being discussed on the internet, even though this is a very rare type of love bombing in my experience. The second main type of love bombing is a subconscious effort to gain attachment security through hasty and extreme affection, often with those suffering from narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, or histrionic personality disorder, uh, cluster B, essentially. The rest of the cluster B besides psychopaths. Anyway, so again, to review this, this is a subconscious, meaning that the love bomber does not know they are love bombing. They're not doing it on purpose. They are not doing it to gain control or to manipulate necessarily. They are actually uh, doing it as a desperate attempt to gain attachment security. And they are being extremely hasty and extremely extreme in their affection towards the target. Again, these people are suffering from cluster B personality disorders, narcissism, borderline, histrionic. Um, and it's very different from the first type, right? The second type I have yet to hear or read discussed in public. All the discussions seemingly are about the very conscious attempt by someone by using love bombing to control another person instead of talking about what I've seen in my clinical life, which is a subconscious effort to gain attachment security. Okay, so love bombing can occur in many different types of relationships. They can occur within abusive romantic relationships, abusive friend relationships, abusive work relationships, etc. Also, pimps might use love bombing to recruit and control sex workers. Also, within high-control organizations, such as gangs, cults, and churches, the organizations might use love bombing as a tool of recruitment and retainment of members. So love bombing is not just in the beginning of a dating relationship. It can be in the beginning of a friend relationship or a work relationship or in a, at a you know, pimp relationship or 
with a gang, cult, or church. They might all use love bombing as an attempt to control. Now, often when it comes to cults and gangs and pimps, they are very much knowingly using love bombing. But when it comes to romantic relationships or friend relationships or work relationships, I find most often it is a subconscious effort to gain attachment security through hasty and extreme affection. Okay, so let me tell you a typical story of love bombing. This is within a romantic relationship, but of course this could, love bombing, like I said, could be in cults or organizations or at work, but, and I'll get more into that later. But this is a, you know, typically on the internet, people are talking about romantic type love bombing. So let, let me give you a typical story. All right. So you meet someone for a date and you hit it off really quick. You stay up all night talking. So I'm going to refer to you are the target and the victim and they are the love bomber. I'm just going to say they. So you meet someone for a date, you hit it off really well. You stay up all night talking. They want to see you again right away. And you say yes, because you're into it. You see each other almost every day. You're really into them. And they're really into you. They tell you that they're in love with you. They tell you that you're the best person that they have ever met. And you believe them. Within a short amount of time, they say, I've never felt like this before. I think I'm falling in love with you. All I think about is you all the time, you and me. Also, you've never felt so seen and heard by someone. They ask you a lot of questions. They want to know everything about you. And you think, no one has ever been so interested in me before. People always, you know, talk about themselves, but this person is so interested in me. This feels really good. You feel very special in their eyes. You notice that everyone likes you notice that everyone likes them because, you know, this is a, I'm chiming in here, there's a particular type of love bomber that is very well liked by people around them narcissistically. So you feel very special in their eyes and you notice that everyone likes them and you feel special because you're in a relationship with them because so many people like them. You fall deeply in love with them. You've never felt like this before. It's so fast and so intense. You feel like, oh my goodness, this is my true soulmate. You've never fallen in love so quickly. They start talking about getting married and having quid, kids really quickly. They start talking about moving in together. They start talking about you know growing old together and you know having a retirement plan together. And they say things like, it's you and me against the world. You're the most beautiful person I've ever met. I want to take care of you. I want to protect you from the evils of the world. Our love is bigger than any other love in the world. I can't believe we have so much in common. I love you more than anything in the world. I love you more than life itself. You start spending all your time with them. You call and they, they call and text you all the time. And that feels good because you've had past partners that never texted you at all. And this, this person texts you all the time. They tell you how great you are. For the first time, you feel truly accepted and loved. You feel safe. You feel like they would protect you and build you up. Soon your lives are completely intertwined. You don't do anything without them, but you enjoy it. Your friends and family seem concerned about how fast things are moving, but they're also happy for you and they like your new partner because your partner is charming. But you start to see your partner's bad side. Sometimes they get jealous. 
Sometimes they get angry. They always have a good explanation for their behavior, though, and you chalk it all up to stress. And you tell yourself, you know what? It's normal that couples will fight sometimes. No one's perfect. Then one night, you have a big fight. You don't know how the fight started, but it was a big one. Your partner is convinced that it is all your fault. You're confused. You feel very uneasy during the, during the argument. You, don't, uh, you do everything you can to resolve the conflict. You apologize for everything just to make the conflict go away. Things return to normal, and you feel mostly okay again. After the big fight, more fights follow. You start to have fights more frequently. And you find yourself walking on eggshells to avoid getting into an argument. You find yourself having secret arguments with them in your head while you're in the shower, while you're driving to the store. You think about different things you want to say to them, but you would never say these things to this person because you know it wouldn't go well. And you don't really know why, but you feel really scared to be honest with them. But you don't really think about it much because it's not very useful to think about. You just think, well, you know, it's just better just to keep some things to myself. You notice that they no longer compliment you anymore. They no longer say nice things, and you crave that again. You tell yourself that, you know what, it's normal for long-term relationships to be distant sometimes. You long for the early days with them, and you strive to get your relationship back to that place. You start to notice things that indicate that they aren't being honest with you all the time. Little inconsistencies here and there. But you convince yourself that you're just being paranoid. Their phone lights up, and you notice a text from a mutual friend. You go over to the phone, and you look at it. And it indicates that your partner is having an affair. And you're shocked. You confront your partner about the affair. They deny it. They get angry. They get angry that you looked at your phone. They argue. They say you're crazy. They say you're paranoid. And after a barrage of insults, you really don't know what to think. But you put it behind you because you don't really know what else to do. Things are normal for a while. For a while, But then you get an email from another person saying that they have been having an affair with your partner for a long time. This time, you know that it's true. You confront your partner about the affair. Again, they deny it. They get angry at you. They call you crazy. But you stand your ground. Eventually, your partner admits to having the affair. Your partner cries. They apologize. They say they'll never do it again. They seem sincere. You hear, you hear the same things that you used to hear all of a sudden. They start to compliment you again. They start to say things like, it's just you and me. We have a special relationship. You're the most amazing person in the world. I love you more than life itself. I can't believe I did that. I'm so sorry. Please, you know, let's go back to the way things were. And for the first time in a long time, you feel like you have your old partner back. You feel good for the first time in a long time. You feel optimistic for the first time in a long time. And the cycle repeats itself. They slowly distance. You try to please. They hurt you. You try to please. Eventually, you pull away. They pull you back in. You feel better. They distance. You try to please. They hurt you. You try to please. Eventually, you pull away. They pull you back in. You feel better. They distance, and so on. All right. So that is a, you know, one possible typical story of a romantic type of love bombing. There are many, and I'll get into some of the nuances later. But if this sounds familiar to you or someone that you know, or even that you've done this before, because it's, it's it, love bombing is a pretty common thing. 
So some of you listening, I'm guessing statistically, have actually love-bombed other people. It doesn't make you an evil person, not the way the internet will paint you out to be. Now, certainly there's a very evil version of love-bombing, but in my experience, typical love-bombing is not on purpose, and that's what I'm going to get into today. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. This episode is just for patrons of the podcast, so if you are not a patron, this episode is going to end right now. If you want to hear the rest of this episode and the hundreds of other episodes that are only available to patrons, you have to go to patreon.com, become a patron of the podcast, and you'll get access to this episode and hundreds of others. In this episode, I'm going to go over the definitions, the literature, the types of love bombers, how to tell the difference between love bombing and just falling in love, my personal experiences with love bombing, the history of the term love bombing, how it's being discussed in the media, and of course, talking about Big Ed from 90 Day Fiance. So if you want to hear the whole thing, go to uh, Patreon and become a patron patron of the podcast if you want. Do it now. All right, welcome to the Patron Zone patrons. Love you so much. So let's get into the clinical literature. Let's start off with that. So most of the clinical literature that I found uh, used the term love bombing in only two different venues. One was cults and the other one was parenting. Uh, I couldn't find much at all, especially in the clinical literature, around love bombing and romantic relationship, relationships. There was one dissertation, which I'll get into in a second. But anyway, so cults use love bombing according to the clinical literature. And this is perhaps when the where the term came from, which I'll get into later when we talk about the history. But cults will use love bombing as a way of trying to recruit people. They will, or, or they'll use love bombing as a way of trying to distract the public from what they're doing. But anyway, the other type of love bombing that's in the literature is actually a positive form of love bombing in parenting. Some parenting experts will use the term love bombing to refer to having a special one-on-one time with your child and giving your child a lot of love and attention. You're giving them a love bomb. The technique is used to help children recover from attachment injuries or help them with emotional regulation or to help shape the child's behavior. So in the clinical literature, in my world, love bombing is mainly a term for social phenomena like in cults and also in positive parenting techniques as in love bombing your children for good. So that should tell you, so what does that say? You know, that we don't have research on love bombing and, you know, because on the internet, if you look up love bombing, it's always, in fact, not always, but 99.9% of the time, it is referring to romantic relationships. And by the way, it is almost always referring to a narcissistic male. Um, Almost all the references that I could find on the internet regarding love bombing is, a malignant or a pathological narcissistic personality disordered guy love bombed me and I was tricked. And here's how, you know, I'm going to tell you the lessons that I learned so that you can protect yourself from malignant narcissistic men who gaslight you and all that kind of stuff. Now, I don't know if uh, those are accurate conceptualizations. I can't tell. I'm sure some of them are. But as far as I can tell, a lot of people are just throwing around the term love bomb in a way that they they don't really understand the broader context, which, of course, makes sense because they're going into, one, the world of psychology. And without a lot of study and a lot of experience, it's it's hard to conceptualize accurately or convincingly. 
And they're also delving into the field of personality disorders, which, of course, you know from all my uh, jabbering that personality disorders, particularly narcissistic personality disorder, is not uh, well understood by anyone, uh, the lay public mainly, but even in the clinical world, a lot of people don't understand it. So so anyway, um, so we see this tone in the, on the Internet about romantic, malignant, narcissistic men who are gaslighting women or who are, well, gaslighting and love bombing women. But in the research, we see cults and parenting. Why is that? Well, does that mean that the lay public is using a clinical term in, an, in you know, a non-valid way? Uh, certainly that happens all the time. Is it because in psychology we have a different name for it? Is it because we just haven't researched it very much yet? Uh, you know, I, I don't really know. Well, I did find one dissertation by Strutzenberg 2016, uh, and let me describe that study. So they, they defined love bombing. It was Love bombing was identified as the presence of excessive communication at the beginning of a relationship in order to passively obtain power and control over another's life as a means of narcissistic self-enhancement. All right, so that's the definition in this dissertation, but let's break this down. So it says, love bombing was identified as the presence of excessive communication at the beginning of a relationship. Excessive communication. So let's contrast that with with my definition, which, um, of course, I prefer my definition because I invented it, (laughs) Um, which is either a conscious attempt to manipulate and control a person using grand demonstrations of affection or a subconscious effort to gain attachment security through hasty and extreme affection. So let's look at Let's look at uh, their definition. So love bombing was identified as the presence of excessive communication at the beginning of a relationship. That's it. Not excessive affection, not excessive, you know, attachment um, signaling. It's just communication. Like if some, you know, if someone texts you a lot, then that's love bombing, which is a, you know, I, I don't think that encapsulates all of love bombing. Uh, excessive communication at the beginning of a relationship in order to passively in order to passively obtain power and control over another's life as a means of narcissistic self-enhancement. So I'll get into this later when I talk about the types, but this is a this is a sliver of a sliver in my opinion. So love bombing can be committed by people suffering from narcissistic personality, but a lot aren't. Sometimes it's borderline. Sometimes it's just someone with some traits. Sometimes they're a psychopath. But in this dissertation, it's love bombing is always involved with narcissistic self-enhancement. It's always uh, a passive way of trying to obtain power and control over another person's life. And remember when I said earlier that, yes, sometimes, so, so this definition is true, but it doesn't encapsulate all the different manifestations of love bombing, in my opinion. Anyway, so their method with the dissertation study was they gathered about 500 college students from a university ages 18 to 30. And the results indicated that love bombing was positively correlated with narcissistic tendencies, avoidant attachment, anxious attachment, and low self-esteem. All right, so what does this tell us? Well, my interpretation of the data and the results is that when people have relational traumas and attachment insecurities as a result of, you know, relational traumas meaning you're, you know, zero to five, zero to 10, and you are having a lot of chaos or neglect or abuse or abandonment or something, 
and you develop attachment insecurity because you're you're not quite sure you can depend on other people to love you. And this results in being needy, of course, because you have a lot of needs that haven't been met. And so you're desperate to have those needs met that have never been met. And so what this does is it causes you, when you meet someone to a, that you think is going to meet your attachment needs, you fall in love with them very quickly and really cling to them because you're just like, oh my goodness, this person is going to give me the love that I've always wanted. And also those relational traumas and attachment insecurity make you get triggered very easily by pulling away, becoming abusive and cheating and this sort of thing. But uh, I want to point out once once finding in this study that I, I really appreciate is that they identified you know insecure attachment and low self-esteem to be associated with love bombing, meaning you know the more insecure attached you are, and the lower your self-esteem, the more likely you are to commit love bombing. Now, this is just one dissertation. It's just, you know, there, there's hard to know what these results actually mean. But, but that's consistent with how I have experienced love bombing clinically, is that someone, you know, went through relational traumas. They have insecure attachment. They're very afraid of not being able to get attachment security, whether they orient avoidantly or preoccupied. And... When they meet someone that they can finally get their needs met, they they idealize that person and they pour everything in. It's black and white. They think like a two-year-old does. You know, a two-year-old doesn't have nuance about their parents. You know, their parents are either all good or all bad. And we would love it if our parents are all good. We would love it if our soul, if our, you know, when we're dating someone, we'd love it if they were all good. It would, makes us feel better. And so we we become all good, black and white thinking. This person is going to save me. This is, you know, I feel so good. This person is the perfect person. You just, you can't think anything negative about this person. Part of this is just falling in love, which I'll get into later. But then you match up low self-esteem, and this means that you actually don't necessarily believe that they will give you consistent love over time. You, you're just like, well, I, I don't really deserve love, or I'm not going to ever get it. And so it makes you desperate, which is where the love bombing kind of kicks in. But anyway, so let's go over... Um, and. If this is a little confusing, I think it'll become more clear as I move forward. So I'm going to go over my phases of love bombing because maybe this will help. And this kind of reflects the typical story that I went through. So these are the phases that I have observed in love bombing. So the first phase is that you shower the person with love. So this is just, you know, You've never, they've never, you've never met anyone like them before. You know, they're really into you. You you feel seen and very heard by this person. It's a very good feeling. You know, you just feel showered with love. You're just like, oh my goodness, there's just so much love from this person. They, they're really into me. And again, because this can happen in a lot of different kinds of relationships, romantic work, friendship, cults, this kind of thing, I'm going to delineate um, with all uh, types of relationships the showering of love will happen. But in romantic relationships, they will seem to be just completely in love with you. They just, they need you with all of their body and mind. And in romantic relationships, they will spend a lot of time staring into each other's eyes and just, just like, you know, oh my goodness. And and again, later on, I'll get into the, because this is just falling in love to some extent, right? But, well, maybe I should actually just skip to the, uh, the key differences between falling in love and, and love bombing. 
so the the it's hard to distinguish in the beginning. It would it would almost be impossible to distinguish love bombing versus legitimate love in the beginning, or not legitimate because because love bombing can be legitimate love, but it'd be hard in the beginning to distinguish love bombing between. So so there are three different things. <laughs> okay, there's legitimate falling in love where you're really infatuated with someone, which is normal. Then there's the narcissistic borderline love bombing, which is also legitimate love, but you but there's consequences later because your personality disorder causes attachment injuries to be triggered. And and it'll feel like love bombing for sure. And then there's this third category where the the love bomber is a psychopath and is out to get you. And so uh, in the beginning of a relationship, it would be hard to distinguish between those three. Someone is loving you and loving you and they're really into you. How do you know if they're really into you or they're a psychopath or they're really into you and it's legit, but they suffer from some kind of personality disorder? You wouldn't know in the first month or so. It'd be really hard to tell. Now, the online articles will say it's very easy to tell because of all these different signs, which I'll get into in a bit. It's sort of ridiculous. but So the key difference is, though, over time with love bombing is that, number one, the love bomber or the person, sorry, <laughs> who loves you a lot, they will respond well to your boundaries. So this is a, a sign that it's not love bombing, meaning that they don't mind giving you space or allowing you time to think things over. So if they're really pushing you, like we need to, like a, in a work relationship, they might be like, we need to invest in this thing or we need to, I need to promote you and we're going to work, we're going to do, you know, we're going to do all these, you need to move to uh, Houston so I can, um, you know, mentor you and all this kind of stuff. And you're just like, whoa, this is going a little fast. And you push back on it. And in a non-love bombing relationship, the person will will respect that. They'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm moving really fast. Sorry, sometimes I move really fast. No big deal. Or in a romantic relationship, they're like, let's let's move in together. You know, we got we to gotta get married quick. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, yeah, I'm really into you. But, you know, can we just put the brakes on a little bit? because this is going too fast for me, then if it's not love bombing, the person will say, oh yeah, no big deal. I love you unconditionally. I'm, I'll wait for you. Um, cool, whatever. The love bomber will not, will not react well to you pushing back. Now with the psychopath love bomber, they are on a mission to control you. So they don't want you to push back, right? With the narcissistic borderline histrionic love bomber, they're okay. They're 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 not okay being on their own. So so they have so many attachment injuries that they're trying to solve through their relationship with you, that when you push back, it can really trigger them and they will not react well. So it's it. So for the psychopath, they're purposely against you drawing boundaries. With the personality disordered individual, the attachment insecure individual, when you push back, that really scares them, and then they have a natural anger to that. It doesn't justify it, but it explains it. And then for the securely attached person or the person that's not love bombing, they will say, yeah, cool. You know, so, all right. So the second sign that's not love bombing is that their love is unconditional. So to the love bomber, when they love you, it is contingent on particular things happening. And you will feel that. You'll feel their love being yanked away from you. Whereas the non-love bomber, their love is is unconditional. They love you for who you are, and they they it's flexible to to changes and you know or pushback from you or something like that. 
And for, again, the psychopath, they are not really capable of the sort of love that we are talking about here, not usually. And they don't have feeling, they don't, they don't have as much empathy for other people. And so their love, it's not really necessarily love. The psychopaths, if they are targeting you with love bombing, you are a means to an end. You're not, you know, you're, when, when we fall in love, we are altruistic with our love, right? It's just like, I just want you to be happy and I, I want to be with you and I want to spend my life with you. I like spending time with you and I want you to be happy, you know, that kind of stuff. The psychopathic love bomber doesn't want you to be happy. You're just a target. You're just a means to an end. You're a, you're, you're being conned essentially. Okay. That's rare. Very rare, by the way. There's a good chance you've never encountered someone like that. Uh, I, if you ever have experienced, and I know some of you have, because some of you have talked with me or emailed me, and I'm so sorry you've been through that. Those are real people, but they're rare as a thing. The internet seems to think this is the the norm. <laughs> like, it, I bet you anything, if you just talk to a random person who read all these different articles on love bombing, they they would probably say, oh yeah, about like I don't know, half of men are narcissistic, psychopathic love bombers. <laughs> it's like no, no, not according to the research. Okay. So with narcissism and borderline, they're, they're, they, have, they have unconditional love for you, but because they can be so triggered when you push back, they will pull back their love from you or might even go from all good to all bad and hate you, and it'll feel like they don't really love you. It'll feel like the love is, uncon- is, is conditional, but it's a little uh, fuzzy of a definition there because... Uh, the narcissistic borderline person is absolutely capable of loving someone, but they're just easily triggered anyway. So the third thing that differentiates just regular falling in love with psychopaths, with uh, personality disordered love bombing is that they, they respond relatively well to your criticisms. You know, everyone gets defensive when you criticize them, but love bombers really cannot handle criticism. For people with narcissism borderline, they will be triggered very quickly by criticism. It'll be very, very hard for them to, to accept it and to be differentiated around it and listen to you because of their relational traumas. And so uh, this is a sign that if, you know, if you're getting a ton of love and just a ton of affection and a ton of communication in the first you know, couple months of a relationship – and then you criticize them and they, they get real upset about it. Like it's just, you know, black or white. Then you might be heading into a narcissistic borderline histrionic type of or attachment insecure type of, of love bombing, which isn't malicious. Understand it's, it's subconscious. It's just a part of the process for people with personality disorders of this type. Then you have psychopathic people who won't take criticism as well because they – don't think of themselves as as doing anything wrong and plus they don't want you to have power over them okay so those are the difference between between as far as i can tell uh just falling in love and love my okay so let's get getting back to my phases so they shower you with love they're really into you you feel seen and heard there's also big emotions often not all the time but but often there's big emotions big displays of emotions lots of emotion lots of love lots of vulnerability seemingly Maybe a lot of tears. Uh, they move very quickly, as we've been talking about. 
they move quick they move quickly through the phases of a relationship so in a romantic relationship they say i love you quickly they want to move in together quickly they want to have you meet each other's family quickly they talk about getting married and having kids quickly in a relationship at work they 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 are often in a position of power over you and they will make big plans for the future for your career or for you and them working together and you'll feel really good just about oh you know wow my boss really wants to move quickly with me they will promote you quickly they want to be close friends with you as well not just work not just coworkers in friendships they will want to be best friends quickly they'll they'll want to post a lot of pictures online about like look we're best you know it's 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 3 days into your friendship with this person and they're already posting like half of their instagram is you and you and them and to anyone from the outside you've been best friends for years but really you've only been friends for a couple of days uh, friendships they might want to move in together quickly and they might want to meet your family quickly or that you meet their family quickly Another phase is that you will feel obligated to please them. So that's another big differentiation sign. Maybe I should add that between falling in love with someone that is safe and falling in love with a love bomber is that with a love bomber you will feel obligated as they love you there will be strings attached and you they might be very uh, overt like Hey, um, you know, I introduced you to my family. Now it's time to, for you to introduce me to your family. Or, hey, on Facebook, I change it from it's complicated to I'm in a relationship with you. You need to do that for me. So that's very overt uh, obligation. But sometimes it's usually more often it's covert. It's like real subtle. You just you just feel like you owe them because they've given you so much. They've given you so much. You just feel like, well, geez, I should reciprocate on this. You know, that's part of the love bombing technique. For the psychopath, this is how they get you. They give and give and give because there's this natural uh, bias that we have towards balance. When someone gives us something, we have this uh, innate uh, um, urge to balance the ledger. Like, I, I've talked about this study before, but um, they gave they, they did this study where they sent out a survey to all these people in the mail this is back when they didn't have email and they sent out a survey in the mail and they said please 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 respond to this survey and send it back and then with uh, so they sent out like a thousand of those and then they sent out uh, about another thousand but in each one of the envelopes they put a dollar bill just a crisp dollar bill so the response rate to the non-dollar bill was something like 3%, which is typical to mailed surveys. The response rate to the dollar bill included surveys was something like 50% or 30% or something, just a huge, huge increase. Even though it was just $1, $1 doesn't buy much, even, you know, 20 years ago. So, but what does that tell us? Well, what that tells us, the implication is that us humans, when someone gives us something, we innately feel bad if we don't give back. You know, it's just a human, human thing, perhaps a primate thing, perhaps a mammal thing. We just feel like, well, you're supposed to do it. And it makes sense, of course, that we would evolve that way as a social creature. If someone gave us food one day when we were hungry, it makes sense that it would help the survival of our species if we had an urge to give back, right? So the love bomber, the psychopathic love bomber knows this and 
will use it as a way of getting you off your uh, you know balance so that you will you'll just start they'll they just know you're that they're going to be able to control you and say hey you owe me this time you know and they slowly sort of break you down that way again that's rare the narcissistic borderline individual will be giving you a lot and will feel owed a lot because one it's not like so the the recipient of love bombing doesn't usually give back the same amount of love because they're just it's it's now okay so backing up uh two love bombers can meet by the way there i've seen cases where you have two love bombers love bombing each other and that that'll happen not psychopathically but more like narcissistic borderline type where they because their attachment injuries when they meet each other they just oh my god and they just completely enmesh and then bad things happen and then boom they're got this so they both will discard each other at the end but so with narcissistic borderline histrionic love uh, bomber they are they're giving you giving to you giving to you and they naturally want you to give back because they want to feel secure right and when you don't give back to them they start to get real worried. They're starting to get triggered and then they start to feel hurt and then they start to demand. Um, and they might pressure you to feel this way or you might find yourself feeling this way without much explanation. You might feel a deep amorphous fear about displeasing them in this way, but you will second guess it because it's not very easy, easily deciphered. So in this, so in this phase, after the showering of love, after the big emotions, after the moving quickly... You'll just you'll, you'll start to feel a little bit of a fear. You might feel the fear really early on, but it'll be hard to put your finger on. You'd be like, why do I feel so afraid around this person? All right, so by now, in the next phase, you are fully enmeshed. Your lives are completely intertwined. You communicate frequently. In a romantic or in a friendship, you're attached at the hip. At work, your career completely resolves revolves around this other person. And then you enter the honeymoon phase where things are relatively stable and things are good. You might still feel that fear in your gut, though. Then distancing starts to happen. They start to distance themselves from you. You feel rejected. You desperately want to win back their affection. Now, the reason for this distancing is uh, dependent on why the love bombing happened in the first place. If it's a psychopath, then they are just they—they're comfortable. They've reached this point where like, yeah, I've, I've got control of this person. I don't, I don't need to put so much effort into love bombing them because love bombing takes a lot of effort, by the way. And it, but if they're narcissistic, then they'll get to a place where they're like, well, I, you know, I, I, I'm sort of comfortable and, you know, I'm starting to feel a little too vulnerable at this point. So I'm going to pull back to my comfortable avoidant place. If they're borderline, then they're probably starting to get triggered by you and they're starting to get a little paranoid and, and overly hurt and they're trying to signal through the silent treatment that they're upset at you for something. So there are a lot of different reasons for this distancing to happen, but, but this is a phase. Then there's some sort of betrayal that'll happen to you. They will hurt you badly. Uh, they might get really angry. They, they might abuse you somehow. They might call you names in a romantic relationship. They might cheat on you in a work relationship. It might be talking crap behind your back or something. With a friend, they might lie about spending time with another friend. But something will happen where all of a sudden 
you know, so you've, you've been love bombed, love bombed, love bombed, honeymoon phase, feels a little normal, and then all of a sudden, well, there's a little bit of distance, you know, things ebb and flow of relationship. Then all of a sudden, wham, you're going to get hit by something, and it's, and it's really, really going to hurt you, and it's going to scare you. Um, this might happen a number of times, but at some point, you're going to enter a phase where you've had it. You, you know, you're talking with your friends and your friends are like, why are you in a relationship with this person? Why are you friends with this person? Why are you working with this? Why do you have the, like, why don't you just quit your job? I mean, your boss just sounds like a monster. Shouldn't you just break up with them? And you start to, yeah, you know what? Maybe I should. (laughs) Why am I in this relationship? But there's a part of you that just remembers either consciously and or subconsciously about that beginning. It just felt so good. It was so euphoric and you want to get back there. You want to hold on to that. And you made a lot of decisions in the early relationship, early phase of the relationship that they were your soulmate. And so there's no question about your relationship with this person. It is, it's undeniable. So as you start to have this emerging feeling of like, wait, maybe I should, maybe I should leave this relationship. Like in a work relationship, the love bomber will convince you that your entire career needs to revolve around them, essentially. Now, they'll do it in an altruistic way, but you know, behind the scenes, what's happening is that slowly your life work-wise is becoming completely entwined and, and under that other person's thumb. In a romantic relationship or friendship, it'll be the same thing. So when you start to have these emerging feelings like, wait, what am I doing and you just say, you know what, I can't take it anymore. And you just start to you just start to distance yourself somehow. Maybe you break up, maybe you start looking for another job. And the love bomber will notice. They will notice that you're pulling away and they might fight with you about it, but at some point they'll some at some point you really start to pull away. Maybe it's you moving out or something. And the the um, threshold, this threshold to be crossed for the love bomber where they go into this other mode where instead of being in their sort of cruising mode, this normal mode, they, this other mode kicks in for them where they start to love bomb you again. They reach out to you. They pressure you to talk with them. They seem very interested in you again. They might apologize over and over and over again. They make a lot of promises. You feel bad for them. They cry a lot. They say things like the things they used to say in the beginning of the relationship. Like, you know, I love you more than anything, or in a work relationship, we're going to do great things together. So in this moment, you're like, wait, did I get my partner back? And then they pull you back in. But remember, you have this underlying fear that is operating on your senses this whole time. So you're not just being pulled back in because they're convincing, but you're being pulled back in because you're afraid of them. And you just think, I need to please them. There's this Maybe that's also a differentiating factor. I should put in the key differences. Actually, let me just add that. Is So in the differentiating factors between just regular falling in love and love bombing, I said they respond well to your boundaries. Their love is unconditional. They respond relatively well to your criticisms. But another one is like you're not uh, – you're, you're not uh, – you're not – you don't – you don't have a deep down – fear of them. So when you're when you're in legitimate love or non-toxic love, maybe be a way to put it, is you don't have a deep down fear of them. You know, you're you feel as though you can trust them at all times. Whereas with love bombers, 
you will f- you'll feel this this pull of like just just please them and they'll calm down. They're they're pressuring you. You know, if you just go along with it, everything the the pressure will stop essentially. So they pull you back in. Things are good for a while, and then boom. There's distance, betrayal, you've had it, they make up, they pull you back in, and the cycle just goes on and on and on. And this is one type of abuse cycle, by the way. Okay, so now let's get into the different types of love bombers. I've already gone over some of them because I felt like I needed to get into it earlier, but let's go into more detail here. So as far as I can tell, there are three different kinds. There's the first, there's a psychopath, which is a very rare But these people, they want to harm others. They don't care about others' feelings. This person knows how to manipulate people, and they use their charm to gain control through love bombing. They might be narcissistic. They often are. But the key uh, foundation to their uh, personality is that they lack empathy for other people, which is the main characteristic of being a psychopath or antisocial personality disorder. And people on the Internet will refer to these people as narcissists. All, almost everything I hear on the internet, when, whenever I hear the term, he's a narcissist, and then they describe something, I'm like, that person isn't a narcissist. That person sounds like a psychopath. <laughs> That's right. Now, psychopaths are often narcissistic. They're not always. Um, but you know, when you don't have any empathy and you don't care about other people's feelings, then yeah, you're going to come across as quote unquote narcissistic, but that's not the primary diagnosis that we would have for them. <laughs> um, what you know, the primary problem is that they don't care. And there's a massive misconception that people suffering from narcissistic personality disorder don't care about other people's feelings. They, they do. They just, they're massively impaired because their defensive structure interferes. Their narcissistic people are so uh, focused on upholding the grandiose veil, you know, of, of upholding the fantasy to themselves and to proving to everyone else that they're better than everyone, that they don't have time for empathy. But if if they're given enough narcissistic supply and or they are healed from their relational traumas, then all the empathy comes out. I've seen it. I've treated a lot of people with narcissistic personality disorder in couples and families and individuals. And and when we have enough corrective experience or enough self-awareness, they have empathy. They care. Now, psychopaths don't. Psychopaths do not care, and, and they don't usually end up in therapy. I've seen, I've treated some psychopaths, but um, but anyway. So now, psychopaths aren't uh, unredeemable. Sometimes people email me, and they're like, I think I might actually have psychopathic tendencies. Does that mean I'm doomed? And the answer is no, absolutely not. Having psychopathic tendencies, either by genetics or experience, doesn't doom you to be an a-hole your entire life. <laughs> it's Nothing in psychology is sort of like that, you know? Um, anyway. So a psychopathic person, very rare, but they want to harm others, and they they learn how to manipulate people, and they many psychopaths will learn how to use love bombing, just by trial and error. Or maybe there's a website that talks about it or something. Some examples of psychopathic love bombers would be Charlie Manson or Dirty John. If you I did a whole episode on that. There's a podcast. There's actually a TV show. Ted Bundy, Jim, Jim Jones. So Ted Bundy. Charles Manson, Jim Jones, these people would love bomb their, you know, with Jim Jones, it was the people in the church. Ted Bundy, it would be women. Charlie Manson would be the people on his, in his you know, the, the Manson family. He, when he first met people, would just love and love and love and love them. And, and he, they knew because uh, experience or something that when they did that, they could get susceptible people into their control sphere and and then they'd be able to control them forever 
and they'd be able to pull back from them and then only occasionally give them love because that person that they love bombed would always be wanting that love back. So again, this is what people are talking about on the internet. These are what the pop psych articles are about. And eventually, these psychopathic people will abuse you. They will pull back their love bombing because they either get pleasure from abusing you or they just no longer need you. They just don't care about you. You're a means to an end, like I said. And, you know, if you've ever run across one of these people, I'm so sorry if you ever did. I'm sure some of you have. It is not pleasant. This is this is what the Internet's talking about. Um, it is awful. It happens. Believe me. It, these psychopathic people will love bomb, and it is awful. It's traumatic. To have someone convince you that they love you and then to learn, wait, I don't think this person ever loved me at all. I don't think this person cares about me at all. It's really, really awful. All right, so let's talk about um, – I've been lumping in all the personality disorders into one, but let's sort of tease out the two different ones we have. Uh, this is what I'm calling the narcissistic avoidant love bombing. So narcissistic personality traits and avoidant attachment style. This is this type of love bombing. Now, this is a very common type of love bombing. It's not understood very well. Not all narcissistic avoidant people use love bombing. Only some of them do. So again, with narcissistic avoidant attachment people, they have relational traumas, usually neglect, and that result in deep, deep insecurities. They believe the self is good and superior. It's a fantasy veil that they wear to make themselves, that covers up their deep, deep insecurities. And they believe that, that others are bad and inferior to them. And they generally will turn away from others, but they still have tremendous need for attachment security. So narcissistic avoidant people will seem like they don't care about other people. They'll seem very independent, but deep down they have a massive need. As I will sometimes say, under every narcissistic avoidant person is a borderline preoccupied person. And these people need narcissistic supply to uphold the fantasy that they are good and worthy, and they use charm uh, to you know, get others into their sphere um, and so that they can rise in the ranks of life. So they will want to meet someone romantically. So narcissistic people will love bomb sometimes, not always, but when they meet someone, they're looking for someone that gives them narcissistic supply. In a romantic relationship or a friendship, they might be looking for someone who is very good looking or someone who's famous or someone who's young and attractive or someone that's like a trophy spouse or something. Now, in a work relationship, the love bomber might be looking for someone who has promise, someone who will make themselves look better at work. They love uh, narcissistic avoidant love bombers will also look for someone who fits well with their narcissism, someone who is a very good listener, someone who is non-assertive, someone who lacks a connection to the self, a pleaser, someone who is non-critical, someone who is passive. And so in, in a romantic relationship, the, the sort of perfect target of the narcissistic avoidant person is someone who is, you know, in, if, if it's a man, someone who's very good looking, uh, someone who's young, someone who looks good when he goes into public, someone who is a pleaser, who went through her own relational traumas growing up, um, doesn't have a lot of assertiveness, you know, doesn't talk a lot, that kind of thing. So they fall deeply in love, and it's love. It's not fake. Um, I want to be clear about that, that narcissistic people 
when they love bomb, it's it's true. I mean, that's my conceptualization. There's no there's no blood test or sort of physical evidence of falling in love. But my conceptualization is that narcissistic people, when they love bomb, they're really in love. It's not fake, and it's it as opposed to the psychopath where it is fake. So they have this superior schema, the narcissistic person, and in a romantic relationship they will have a very grandiose sense of their own love. So uh, let me, this is something that actually many of you might have experienced in your life. But so when you're narcissistic, you need to uphold this notion that you're superior and that your life is important and you, you're looking inward a lot. And the experience of falling in love means that you're having all these feelings and because you filter everything through this superior grandiose veil, when you fall in love, you feel like you're falling in love bigger than anyone else has ever been in love before. You also will express that love in that way, which can be a form of love bombing to the other person. So whereas a non-narcissistic person, when they fall in love, they, they feel great, they feel wonderful, but they don't, they don't uh, think that they're love is special. They're just like, yeah, a lot of people fall in love, but boy, I'm in love. The narcissistic person is like, yeah, I'm in love. And no one has ever been in love like this before. And I, I've never, ever felt like this. My, this person that I'm falling in love with is the best partner in the entire world. No one compares, you know, our love is the biggest love that has ever been. And the, you know, in the history of the world, our love is at the top by far. So, Again, because the narcissistic person thinks everything that happens to them is is bigger and more important and more grand than anyone has ever seen, but they also just experience things in that in that way because they they can they can only see themselves pretty much you know their their view of themselves eclipses everyone else and so even though other people might have expressed similar love like oh my god I'm so in love they're not really seeing that because they're only seeing themselves usually anyway. And again, they did that because of neglect growing up, not because they woke up and said, yay, I want to be a narcissist. Um, if it's a work relationship, the superior schema of the narcissistic love bomber will say things like, our work is going to save the world or something like that. Or all the other departments at this organization is you know, inferior to us. We, we have such a superior way of working, you know, that kind of thing. And the narcissistic love bomber will move very quickly. Remember that phase of like, let's move in together, da, 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 because they're finally getting their attachment needs met. And they, who wouldn't want to move fa fast if you're getting your attachment needs met? And also the partner fits well into their narcissism, unlike others that they've met. And so they're just like, let's lock this in because I'm finally getting all my narcissistic supply and my attachment needs met. This is so wonderful. Since they've built a grandiose life, you feel very special to be in their inner circle. So when a narcissistic love bomber love bombs you, you will feel extremely special. You'll just be like, you know, how did I deserve this? You know, this person, this person's life is just so awesome. And I'm just this lowly, regular person. You know, this, this person's like a god. And I can't believe this, my luck, that this person loves me. You know, that's how it will feel. As time goes on, you will end up just feeling like a tool to them, a tool for them to feel better about themselves. Eventually, their relational traumas will get triggered at some point, sometimes sooner than later, 
they will feel neglected by you or they will too or they'll they'll feel too vulnerable to you. They won't say that, but that's what's going on deep down. And the narcissistic love bomber will feel deep, deep pain and they will immediately turn away from you. And they might even say things like, I don't need you. And normally you will try to please them because they chose you because you're a pleaser, one, and two, because you're a nice person and you're just trying to help your partner who seemingly loves you a lot, you know? Other times your partner, the love bomber, will attack you or pull away from you and you'll, you just can't have it anymore and you will pull away. And in response, they will desperately try to get you back. They will not necessarily, you know, they're not necessarily being manipulative or consciously manipulative. You know, they're, they're genuinely trying to get you back, but it might come across like it's manipulative because it seems two-faced. The, you know, on one hand, the person it has this mode where they're very in love with you. And on the other hand, they see this mode where they're extremely hostile towards you and very mean to you. And so it'll appear manipulative, but what's actually happening is that they need attachment security, the narcissistic person, and and they work really hard to get it, and they see the love through this narcissistic lens, and they're desperate for attachment security because they've never had it in their life. And then once they get it, they can kind of relax a little bit back into their narcissism, back into a place where they they you know just kind of cruise at a rate of being you know, pathologically independent and it'll, it'll feel hurtful to you because it's distancing. So the key point here to narcissistic love bombers is is that they're not evil like psychopaths can be. And they love bomb out of desperation and it's unconscious and it's on a spectrum with some being worse than others. Okay. So let's talk about borderline preoccupied, disorganized love bombing. So these people are typically borderline and or preoccupied and or disorganized attachment. So I'm just going to call them borderline love love bombing. Or maybe I should just call them preoccupied love bombing. I don't know. Let's just call them borderline love bombing. So this is another very, very common type of love bombing, similar to the narcissistic type. Very similar. Very, uh, you know, very similar, but, but different. And uh, it can be of any gender, by the way. Lots of non-men suffer from narcissism and lots of non-women suffer from borderline. Uh, In fact, in my clinical experience, I haven't seen uh, much of a difference in gender when it comes to personality disorders. But anyway, so I want to be clear, though, that not all people suffering from borderline or preoccupied or disorganized attachment will use love bombing. It's only some. So again, as with narcissism, these people have relational traumas. And it's usually as a result of inconsistency or abuse. And these individuals have deep, deep insecurities. They believe that others are good and that themselves is bad and needy. And as a result, they will turn towards other and become needy towards others, quote unquote needy and clingy. They need constant reassurance for attachment and security for good reasons, because they've never had it, to feel safe and worthy. And they learn how to read others so they can they can make others love them. So with narcissism, they learn how to charm others. With borderline people, they learn how to read others, how to read other people's emotions. So the borderline preoccupied disorganized love bomber will look for someone who seems stable. They're very, very interested in stability for good reasons. And since they're looking uh, for stability... In contrast to the chaos, you know, they're looking for stability in contrast to the chaos they experienced as a child. Uh, 
And they might even be attracted to an authority figure because authority figures seem more powerful and more stable. They're looking for someone that will be, you know, consistent because that's what they lacked when they were growing up. And so they might fall in love with a boss or a teacher or a therapist, and the person might be older. So as with the narcissistic love bomber there, they might be looking for someone who is younger, who is passive. The borderline love bomber might be looking for someone who is older, who seems more emotionally stable and might have some power over them. The borderline love bomber, they fall deeply in love. And again, it's not fake. It is absolute love. And uh, it's because they're finally getting their needs met. You know, and they'll, they'll feel it. You know, the borderline person will be like, you're the most wonderful person in the world. I need you. I can't live without you. And they move quickly because they are finally getting their attachment needs met. And they have a fantasy that you are stable and forever. You will feel extremely needed by them. The, the borderline love bomber will make you feel like you have so much power and like you are, you know, so... One of the, okay, so the attraction, all right, let me back up. <laughs> to the narcissistic love bomber, they fit well with passive uh, people who have not a connection with the self. And uh, and also they fit actually well with preoccupied people. And so these people, they don't really believe in themselves. They don't, they don't think of themselves as very important. And so they're looking for love. And then if they find someone that is very, very important and has a very big life and everyone loves them, then by extension, you kind of feel like you're important for the first time in your life because you're associated with the narcissistic love bomber. With the borderline love bomber, when they are extremely needy and they're very, very, you know, they have all this love and they just stare into your eyes and there's just so much there. Well, for you, you might have uh, you probably have attachment injuries that are being kind of uh, triggered in this moment or sort of uh, manipulated in this moment subconsciously by the love bomber. And you're feeling, wow, I don't think this person is ever going to leave me. That's what it feels like. Because all of us, regardless of how secure we are, we don't want our partners to leave us, right? <laughs> and we never know, it's particularly in the beginning of a relationship. And it's intoxicating, when a borderline person needs you and clings to you so much because you're just like, man, I've never felt so secure. But the problem is, is it's not secu- it's not stable security that you're experiencing. You're experiencing someone's attachment injuries being you know manifested in love bombing towards you, and it's seductive in that way. So borderline love bombers can be extremely seductive in that way. Narcissistic love bombers can be extremely seductive in a different way, right? And... Uh, you become almost like drunk with the the adoration that this person has for you and the the how much they need it just it just feels so good anyway as time goes on you will feel like just a tool to them a tool to make them feel safe not a not an actual equal partner and you will feel like they don't really love you for who you are the real you they seem to love like a vision of you maybe even as a position of power they, you know, they, if it's uh, um, like, it's actually kind of common for a client, a borderline client to try to love bomb a therapist, not common. You know, I would say this, uh, maybe one or 2% of people with borderline will do that to the therapist, but it, 
But in terms of when there's a relationship between therapist and client, sometimes it is a borderline client and a, a vulnerable therapist. And the uh, a story that can that I've heard is that the love bombing client will, and the client is a victim, by the way. So it's kind of a weird situation where the love bomber is both victim and victimizer in a certain way. Anyway, so the client is love bombing the therapist and the therapist is vulnerable, maybe going through a divorce themselves. And they're like, oh my God, this person loves me. I'll never find anyone like this. They, you know, they start having sex or they start having a romantic relationship. And the relationship, maybe they get married. Five years later, they're getting in fights and the ex-client the borderline individual is saying things like, um, how come you won't listen to me like you did before? How come you don't love me like you did when we first met? And the therapist uh, slash spouse is saying, well, I was a therapist back then. <laughs> like, I'm your partner now. We're, this is equal. I'm, you know, it, 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 you know, yeah, I give my clients my undivided attention because it's my job, but you're my spouse now. And so there has to be some flexibility and some back and forth, you know. Sometimes I'm having a bad day or I'm tired. I don't have resources to give to you in that way. So um, there'll be this push by the borderline individual to uh, want their have their cake and eat it too. They want the the partner to be an authority over them, but they also don't want that right. Anyway, eventually the borderline preoccupied disorganized individual will have their relational traumas triggered. They will feel betrayed or rejected because of their triggering and they will feel deep, deep pain. So you'll do something to, to hurt them and they will feel deep, deep pain and they will attack you and they might even feel like you're abusing them. And most of the time you will just try to please them because you're walking on eggshells already. You, you've had this vague sense of fear with them this whole time and you're just trying to be nice. You're so, oh my goodness, what, how do I get out of this? But other times you'll pull away because it's just too much. You've had just too much of the abuse from this person, too much of the accusations, too much of the emotional volatility. And in response, the borderline person will switch into a different mode where they will love bomb you, similar to the narcissistic person. And for the same reasons, they're like, oh my God, I'm going to, again, this is largely subconscious. They are terrified of losing you because they need you so much that they will forego a part of their personality and click into this different mode of total love bomb and you're all good. And you'll feel that old feeling again. Oh my God, this person loves me so much. They need me so much. And they will, you know, desperately try to get the attachment security back. And these people are very good at getting you back into their life because they know how to make you feel very special. Now, again, key point here, these people are not evil like psychopaths can be. This is love bombing out of desperation and it's and it's subconscious love bombing. And when they fall in love, the love bombing is sincere. You know, it's it's actual love. And again, it's on a spectrum with some people being worse than others. All right. So as promised, let's get into some of the articles online. I'm not gonna identify where I got them from because I don't want to out them really, but these are direct quotes from online articles about love bombing. So quote during the idealiz the idealiz idealization phase, during the idealization phase of the abuse cycle, the narcissist is focused on ensnaring you. Frequent complimentary words are used to capture you, whilst the narcissist 
is devoid of empathy for others, they are also paradoxically gifted in understanding the emotions, in particular emotional weaknesses of others and the use of this knowledge to tailor messages. Their abilities are so well-developed, they will tell you precisely what you want to hear. End quote. So let's break this down. <laughs> All right. So first off, they use the word the narcissist. And whenever you're online and you're hearing this, uh, this sort of language, uh, be wary. Because I think what they're actually mistaking the word for is psychopath. Anytime you're hearing anyone say, oh, the narcissist, I think actually what they're talking about is a psychopath. Now, if they're using the narcissist in a non-clinical way, then okay, because we don't really use that language in the in the clinical literature, the narcissist, not very often anyway. Usually we will say someone suffering from narcissistic personality disorder to be very specific. But um but yeah, anytime you hear the narcissist, it's like, uh, okay. The other thing is, is so during the idealization phase, okay, I haven't been using that language, but that's legitimate language. Is like the love bomber will idealize you and uh, the psychopath will purposefully idealize you, but the narcissistic borderline individuals will idealize you because they have black and white thinking. They have all good, all bad schemas. They are desperate for closeness, and they're like, oh, my God, you're the best ever because you are finally meeting my attachment needs. So during the idealization phase of the abuse cycle, and it can, love bombing is associated, is a type of abuse cycle. The narcissist is focused on ensnaring you. Okay, let's break this down. The narcissist uh, is focused on ensnaring you. All right. Now, if it's a psychopath, yes, they are focused on ensnaring you. The person suffering from narcissistic personality disorder is not trying, it's not volitionally, not usually anyway, consciously trying to ensnare you. And then frequently complimentary words are used to capture you. While the narcissist is devoid of empathy, which is not true, uh, for others, they are also paradoxically gifted in understanding the emotions. So again, this sounds like a psychopath. And the description here is essentially dark triad kind of stuff, Machiavellian, psychopathic, sadistic. And people suffering narcissistic personality disorder are not typically indicative of dark triad. People suffering from, from psychopathic personality disorder often are. Um, and most of the articles online are using this kind of language. Let's have another example here. If your partner sometimes showers you with affection and other times leaves you high and dry, you might be experiencing love bombing. The larger the discrepancy between behaviors, the more likely you're dealing with a pathological narcissism, with pathological narcissism. All right. So again, quite silly statement here. If your partner sometimes showers you with affection, so let's just break that, that down, meaning your partner sometimes is nice to you, sometimes loves you, and other times leaves you high and dry, meaning other times you're not getting affection from your partner, you might be experiencing love bombing. Um, that is a massive oversimplification. <laughs> I mean, I would say literally every single long-term relationship, there are times when your partner is showering you with affection and later on maybe not so much. That's very normal, particularly in long-term relationships. The, and then the next statement, the larger the discrepancy between behaviors, the more likely you're dealing with pathological narcissism. That's, again, just way simplified version. And that was another massive criticism I had on the online uh, articles was 
just how simplified the whole situation was. You know, I've been talking for how long now, like an hour, and I'm really barely scraped because, you know, for some of you, you might not have listened to my deep dives on borderline or my deep dives on narcissism. And even with those deep dives, you might still not really quite get it because these are complicated psychological constructs. And um, so I've been talking about this for hour for, an, for about an hour, and I haven't even really explained deeper issues. You know, I've, I've kind of skimmed the surface. It takes a long time to talk about love bombing. But in these articles are just like, you know, someone – essentially the – impression I get from the article, or I guess the mistake I think readers will get, and I think the mistake that people are making on the internet right now, is they are, they're getting dumped by someone, and they feel hurt, and they're looking for answers. And that's fine. They come across this article, and there's this totally oversimplified description of, you know, did your partner, did he love you a lot in the beginning of the relationship? And you know, she's like, yeah, I, he did love me a lot in the beginning of the relationship. And then did that suddenly change? And then he doesn't love you anymore? Yeah, he, he did. He, and there was a point where he stopped loving or he stopped showing affection for me. You were a victim of abusive love bombing and gaslighting. And then the reader's like, yeah, I've been love bombed. And it's like, well, maybe, absolutely. But without further assessment and investigation, maybe not. Now, what do I care about people on the internet writing articles or reading articles and drawing conclusions? Well, on one hand, I don't. But on the other hand, there is legitimate love bombing going on. One, from psychopaths, which is rare, and those are absolutely abusive situations, right? But also, there are uh, people with narcissistic personality disorder, people with borderline personality disorder can also abuse uh, people through an abusive love bombing cycle. And these individuals are legitimately being love bond, love, love bombed and abused. And when people on the internet use this term haphazardly, it, I don't know, I feel defensive for those people who have been legitimately love bombed in the same way that when someone says, oh my God, I'm so OCD. And I'm like, uh, no, you're not just because you're tidy doesn't mean you're OCD or, oh my God, I've been gaslit when it's like, no, you haven't. You, you just were lied to. You know, being lied to isn't being gaslit. Being deceived isn't being gaslit. Being cheated on isn't necessarily being gaslit. You might have been gaslit, but you're you're con- you're just you're just amping up the word. You know, you can just say you were lied to. It's terrible to be lied to. It's terrible to be deceived. It's terrible to be dumped. It's terrible to have someone break up with you. It's terrible. You don't necessarily have to diagnose it as love bombing unless it's legit love bombing. Now, the other thing I'll say is that when you're dumped, you're highly uh, traumatized or you you know you're suffering from a lot of grief you, you know, there's a lot of emotions and it's normal to blow things out of proportion in the beginning phases of grief for sure so uh, it's not uncommon to be like oh my god I, he's a psychopath or she's a malignant narcissist and then uh, a few months later like well you know maybe we both contributed to the problems um also it's not uncommon to be like nope three months later still believe my partner was a malignant narcissist um it's just, I think, important to be precise with these languages and with these words and terms. And the internet, for whatever reason, just loves to discuss psychological concepts in a way that exhibits they have no idea what they're talking about and it annoys me. <laughs> anyway, um, another quote. She Now, I will say these articles have some truth to it. They're not completely off base. They're just oversimplifications. Quote, 
She once had a client whose partner offered her a key to his home after dating for, for three weeks. But after a few weeks later, they would argue and he would demand his key back. This is a clear example of too much too soon. Okay. <laughs> so uh, this is evidence of love bombing. This is in an article where they're talking to an expert and this therapist, I think, is re you know referring to a client. She once had a client whose partner offered her a key to his home after dating for three weeks, but after a few weeks, they would argue and he would demand his key back. So let's get this straight. He fell in love. They fell in love with each other. He offered her a key to his house, presumably as like, you know, go ahead and let yourself in kind of a thing. They started to argue over a number of weeks later and things were going badly and he asked for the key back. That's love bombing. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about, people. Like every relationship that uh, can be characterized as love bombing under this example he was nice to me and and did something for me and then later retracted that. He was he had a lot of love for me in the beginning and later he didn't have love for me. He, I was being love bombed. What? By that definition, all of us have love bombed multiple people in our lives because we liked someone in the beginning and then later on was like, eh, you know, not so much. We love bombed them. No. Again, you, you've already heard me discuss all the different phases and the depths of what love bombing is, the pattern. You know, it's a larger pattern. Um, it has a lot of um, either psychopathic uh, victimization in it or a black and white personality disordered way of, of operating towards all, all people. Uh, another quote here, they share their terrible childhood on the first date. So I just thought that was... I, you know, you might have heard me talk about this before. When you go on a first date and your date starts talking about their ex, you know, partner or their terrible childhood or they start to cry um, and you don't like it and you're thinking, ah, I don't want to talk about this on the first date. I don't like this person. That's fine. hundred percent. Totally support you. But this general notion that on a first date, if someone is emotional uh, particularly if they're a man, but women absolutely too, that there's something deeply wrong with you and that you should run, that this is a huge red flag, that, you know, you, you go on a first date with a guy and he taught, this is, you know, they share their terrible childhood on the first date. What is wrong with that? How in the, I mean, a lot of people have terrible childhoods. And now, again, if you, that's not your thing. You don't like to talk about that in the beginning and that turns you off. Totally fine. But to say like it's an indication of something horrible and it's an indication of love bombing in particular is absurd. <laughs> I just I would love to see the research on that. And it's massively stigmatizing to those who have terrible childhoods. They People with terrible childhoods are already told to shut up about it. They're already shamed. They're already stigmatized. And we're piling on and saying, if you talk about it on a date, there's something wrong with you. And we have determined you're a love bomber. <laughs> now, could a love bomber use, uh, you know, could a psychopath manipulate you by talking about their terrible childhood on the first date to try to suck you in as a larger pattern of them trying to suck you in? Yes, there are those kinds of love bombers. Might someone with borderline personality disorder uh, wear their heart on their sleeve and on the first date talk about their ter terrible childhood 
and maybe even kind of regret it. Uh, and then later on be very clingy to you and then later on be triggered and pull away from you. And you as the victim of that would characterize that as borderline love bombing, then yeah, absolutely. That, that can happen. But just to say the statement, like, you know, love bombers share their terrible childhood on the first date. That's just the universal. And, and if they do that, then it's a love bomber. That's silly. Another quote here. They demand lightning fast responses A love bomber knows their time is limited, so they will often demand very fast responses from you. All right. So although it can be true that for love bombers, they will want lightning fast responses to their texts and other kinds of things. uh, This is, again, a characterization of a love bomber as a Machiavellian psychopath. So they say a love bomber knows their time is limited. And this is actually a problem in a lot of the language just of abusive individuals in general is, you know, the abusive person knows and, you know, they they know how to control you. They know what to do. And in my experience, not the case. Certainly abusive people can be massively abusive, right? And they might have some quote unquote tactics but unless they're psychopathic, they're basically so desperately just flailing with their emotions and with their behaviors that it ends up having this effect that is controlling of the other person. And yes, they are trying to get control, but not because they woke up in the morning and said, ha ha ha, I want control. They're just desperate for uh, attachment security and it's manifesting in this controlling way. And and they would love control, but what they would really love is attachment security they don't they don't want control necessarily but they're using control as a way of getting attachment security anyway so this notion of like the love bomber every love bomber knows their time is limited so they demand very fast responses implies that all love bombers are psychopathic machiavellian individuals which is just not true all right so let's go on to the signs this is very similar to the phases but let's go to the signs that you are being love bombed according to me The first thing that love bombers will do is they will choose vulnerable targets, people that might need them financially, career-wise, or personality-wise. So typically, love bombers will choose – a psychopathic love bomber will choose – you know, they will choose consciously, and a narcissistic borderline love bomber will choose – because of for unconscious reasons. They don't don't know they're choosing a vulnerable target, target, but they are. Uh, like I said, I was talking earlier. Anyway, another sign is that they will. F- so along those lines, if you feel that you're, if you've been love bombed in the past, and you're wonder, and you have childhood relational traumas, and you're a pleaser, or you ha- you have low self esteem, or you have attachment insecurity, then you want to. Uh, be conscious of the fact that you're vulnerable to a lot of forms of abuse, including love bombers. Now, what do you do? Well, I'm guessing some of you are asking, like, what am I supposed to do? Well, the key is, is that you don't go faster with anyone uh, than you want to. So listen to your gut on that. Someone falls in love with you. They want to move in quickly. You're not into it. Just don't do it. Just be like, hey, I love you too. But I don't want to move in with you right now. I want to move in with you eventually, I think. But I just don't want to do it right now. And that might be really hard to do, but you might have to be in therapy to do that. But, you know, that's one way to keep the person out of 
controlling you if they are a love bomber, and it will kind of be a litmus test because if they react well, then you're like, oh, maybe they, maybe they aren't. Maybe they're just really into me, and they just really want to move in with me. They're not a love bomber. Um, another one is just not allowing people to have control over your life, like not uh, distant. You know, some love bombers will try to distance you from their friends, from your friends and family. So not allowing them to do that. Um, trying to figure out if the person that loves you really loves you and will listen to you. You know, you have something to say. You're upset about something that happened last week and you want to talk about it. Are they willing to hear you? I'm, I mean, everyone gets defensive, but are they, if you say it nicely, do they listen to you? Yeah, that's another kind of test. So, um, but of course, if you've had a lot of relational traumas, it might be hard to do that. And that's where therapy comes in. Okay, another sign is frequent compliments, as we've been talking about. So many more compliments will be given to you than you will give to them. It'll just be this constant barrage of compliments in the beginning. In romantic relationships, it'll be something like, I've never met anyone as perfect as you. You're the most beautiful thing ever. I love everything about you. You're the best lover. You're the best. So that's another thing I haven't talked about is that with narcissistic borderline histrionic love bombers, they will sometimes... Uh, bolster your uh, self-esteem regarding sex. So they will um, say, I'm so attracted to you. You're the best lover of all time. You do everything amazing. Our bodies fit well together. They might even sort of amp up their sexuality. You know, they might proclaim before, during, and after sex how, how great in bed you are. Now, Maybe you're really great in bed and people do that all the time. <laughs> but love bombers, it suits them, whether if it's a psychopathic person, then they're doing it manipulatively. And if they're narcissistic borderline, then they're doing it because they actually feel that way. Um, but uh, yeah, for a work relationship, the compliments might be like, you're the most talented coworker I've ever met. You're going to go so far. Stick with me, kid. We're going to go far. You know, that kind of stuff. Um. So another sign is that they will communicate very often. This was pointed out earlier. For psychopaths, this is conscious manipulation. For narcissistic borderline histrionic love bombers, they will, they're communicating often with you because they finally met someone that can meet their attachment needs. They will move very quickly. They will say, I love you quickly. If they're a creative type, they might write poems and songs about you. Like after a week of dating, they've written like 10 10 poems about you or something or drawn or they did a, they did three paintings about you. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with that. But again, when we look at the bigger picture, the pattern, then we start seeing this as a part of the love bombing uh, action. They will post pictures of the two of you on social media real quick. So for you, you've, you've been dating this person casually for um, a week and your dating partner has already fully committed on social media that your boyfriend and girlfriend or something or boyfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend. And you're like, wait a second. Um, I don't know if I'm cool with that, but because of the way you fit together and because of how much love you've been, you've been getting from this person, you're like, well, I guess I'll let that one go because, you know, I guess I'm kind of into this relationship. That's a frequent thing in today's love bombing world. They will push for a commitment on social media. You know, Facebook has a has a toggle between it's complicated to we're in a relationship or something, and um, they'll push for that. They'll want to move in together. They'll push to have children and, and get married quickly. Another sign 
is that they might offer to save you. This is a pretty common one for some types of love bombers, particularly narcissistic ones, is that they will say things like, I want to spoil you. I want to give you everything you need. I want to, I want to, I want, they might even say, I want to save you. I want to protect you. These kinds of statements. Again, there's nothing wrong in while you're in love, a partner saying, I want to help you or I want to spoil you. But it's another thing when it, it's in the broader context and when it has this control element to it. It'll, it's sort of like the Trojan horse of control. You know, on the positive side, I want to spoil you. On the negative side of that coin, it's I want you to be my child, essentially. I want control over you in the way that a, an adult has control over a child. Another sign is that the love bombers will push for commitment very quickly. Another sign is you will find yourself agreeing to do things you wouldn't normally do, you know, moving in together, these kinds of things. You might find yourself making excuses like, well, you know, I'm sure things will work out or, well, they seem real confident that it's going to work out, so maybe I'll just go along with it. So you'll find yourself agreeing to do things that you wouldn't do normally. And this is actually a subtle one because unless you're – because the love bomber moves so quickly and it's so blindingly – there's so much – it's like a bright sun of love that is just, you know, beating down on you and you're just – you don't have time to think. (laughs) And so you might not even stop to think, is this what I want or do I want to go this fast? It just might be – you just might be swept up in there energy, you know. Another sign is the love bomber will not react well when you try to slow down, of course. Another sign is they will give you many gifts. So in a romantic relationship, they might give you very expensive or lavish gifts or very public gifts, like a huge bouquet of flowers sent to your work. If it's a work relationship that's love bombing you, they might give you promotions that you didn't really earn. Another sign is that you feel an unnamed fear of displeasing them. You will have this fear inside of you, this, this you know, anxiety in your chest of, I don't want to displease them. I, I don't want them to be angry at me. I don't want them to be disappointed in me. I want them to like me. I want them to approve of me. That is, when we look at all the other behaviors, a hallmark of love bombing. And with psychopaths, they do this to you because psychopaths are really kind of scary. Um, if I've treated psychopaths before, and one of the hallmarks that I feel with them is I feel I feel afraid of them like right away, even though they didn't threat, threaten me. In fact, they I don't know if I've ever been really threatened by a psychopath in my in my office. But so uh, because they one are out to get you in a certain way, and two because they don't really operate on the same emotional plane as you do. They're kind of faking it in a certain way, and you're, there's a part of your subconscious that picks up on that often, and it, you just don't feel right. With the narcissistic borderline histrionic uh, love bombers, you will feel fear because when you trigger them, they'll get very upset at you, and over time, you will learn that they're a threat and that uh, you need to walk on eggshells around them. A And again, I want to remind everyone, because I know I have borderline narcissistic histrionic listeners out there. Like I said before, <laughs> uh, most people with borderline histrionic and narcissistic are uh, not love bombers. Uh, it's just a, a possibility, if you will. 
of uh, and, and many people with borderline listening right now are very aware of their issues and take great care to make sure that they don't hurt anyone and get a lot of treatment. And so, uh, you know, I don't want to add to the stigma online about people with narcissistic borderline or histrionic to say that they're all monsters because they are not. <laughs> some of the some of my favorite people on the planet, have, you know, will tell me they have borderline personality disorder and uh, are lovely, caring you know, shining beacons of light in a lot of ways. So, um, but for those people with narcissistic borderline histrionic that are not aware of their issues or their issues are quite severe, they haven't been to therapy, uh, then yeah, they're prone to love bombing. Um, another sign is that your friends will say that you've changed in a bad way. Your family and friends will notice that you're too enmeshed and possibly controlled. Another sign is that the love bomber will talk a lot of crap about their exes. This isn't a huge sign. It's a minor sign. It's not always there. But for people with borderline, they will feel very hurt by past partners and will have a very you know, negative view based on you know, their relational traumas being triggered and their black and white thinking. Narcissistic personality disorder, similar thing, black and white thinking. They feel as though their current relationship is the best ever and nothing else can compare because they have that grandiose uh, fantasy, and they also need to make themselves superior to past partners, and so they will talk really horribly about their exes. Now, again, lots of people talk horribly about their exes. Doesn't mean you're a, a love bomber, but it's a minor sign. Another minor sign is that they might be older than you or younger than you. <laughs> so, um, actually, I have to change this. They might be. Uh, there, maybe I just need there. There might be. There might be a. Um, age, big, big age difference. So for people with, um, with borderline, so borderline love, love bombers. Do you like this? And I'm taking my notes while I'm doing the podcast. So borderline love bombers, uh, will, uh, tend to choose people older and narcissistic personality disorder love bombers. Um, and psychopathic to uh, choose younger. So for the narcissistic love bomber, they are looking to be superior. They're looking to someone to spoil. They're looking for someone to need them. And uh, because they're in denial of their own neediness to a large extent, and they want to project that onto the other person. And so it's common for them to choose someone younger or someone who just is in poverty or something like that. The borderline love bombers, not always, but they will sometimes tend to choose people who are older for the reasons I was talking about earlier, because they're looking for stability, but not always. It's, you know, this is, you can't really generalize it in this way. Uh, the last sign is that the love bomber gets hurt very easily. So this is true for uh, psychopathic, narcissistic, borderline, histrionic. They, and when I say borderline narcissistic histrionic, I'm saying on the spectrum. I'm not saying people necessarily that qualify for the full-blown DSM label. But these individuals, when they are hurt by you or by someone else, you will see that they will have a huge reaction. They'll feel very betrayed. Very, They'll feel very rejected. They might get very jealous because – uh, and this is true for psychopathic people as well, is that they haven't had a lot of success in relationships and they haven't had a lot of their needs met. And so when 
bad things happen for them, they have a really hard time regulating and they can get triggered, uh, you know, to the extreme. So again, you know, just because your partner gets hurt easily doesn't mean that they're a love bomber. But when you look at it with all the other signs, then then you're looking at a possible love bombing sitch. Um, all right, vulnerable targets. So I talked a little bit about it, but let's get into a little bit more. So uh, the topic sentence is, you know, the who is who is vulnerable, possibly vulnerable to love bombing, and I would just say anyone. Uh, anyone, anyone and every type of person has been love bombed successfully because everyone wants love and it's hard to know when you're being love bombed, right? So that's what I'll say. But there are some people who are particularly uh, susceptible to it. Uh, people with narcissistic personality disorder are susceptible to it actually um, because they, um, again, have massive attachment injuries. And when someone love bombs them, they are finally getting their needs met. And two, it sort of fits with their narcissism because this person really, really loves them and is, and is showering them with compliments. And so that would really uh, pull in someone with narcissistic personality. It also uh, would attract a bo- someone with borderline. So you can, have, you can have a borderline love bomber love bomb a person with borderline. Someone with borderline obviously is very susceptible to love bombing because, again, as with narcissism, they're very needy and they have a lot of unmet attachment needs. And when someone's love bombing them, they finally feel secure. Same with histrionic. Also, dependent personality disorder individuals are susceptible to it. Um, they because they're very they, so. There's different types of dependent personality disorder, but um, some of them are very passive. They lack a connection to the self. They are very dependent on another person, and th- this other person sweeps in and it's like, I'm going to take care of you. I love you so much. You know, it's very attractive to the dependent person. Uh, passive people in general, people who are just easygoing and don't really impose their will on other people, people with a lack of connection with the self because as someone's loving you, you because you don't really know who you are, you see yourself through their eyes, and it makes you feel really good, and so it attracts you to a love bomber. Uh, people pleasers, obviously, people with relational traumas, people with angry parents, people with an addicted parent, people with abandonment in their childhood, and also possibly younger people. And this is just anecdotal. I don't have any research on this, but in my experience, younger people are perhaps a little bit more susceptible to love bombing. Anyway. All right. So let's go into the history. And there's not really a lot of history on the term love bombing because it's not really in the literature very much, but um, and I went into you know how it's used in the clinical literature, but it was first coined by members of a religious group commonly called the Moonies, if you've heard of them. Some people call them a religious group. Some people call them a cult in the 1970s, and I think they're still in operation today. There was a, the founder of the group, uh, Sun Myung Moon, often called a cult leader. He told his followers to essentially love bomb, and he used that term, love bomb the public. You know, smile at everyone and show extreme love for everyone. So that's when the the love bomb. So it's interesting that we use the term love bomb to characterize the recruitment techniques of cults today. That's the main use in the clinical literature. But the term love bomb actually was coined by a cult leader as a way of saying, hey, members, let's love bomb everyone around us. Um, all right. So let's talk about Big Ed, and then I'll talk about my personal experience. So if you're a 90 Day Fiance watcher, you know Big Ed. If you're not, Big Ed is a character on a reality TV show. 
So the first thing I'll say about Big Ed is I have no idea if he is a love bomber or not because I don't know him well enough. There are some signs, though. So let's go over that. Uh, so, f- again, I, I gave you the signs before. Frequent compliments. Yes, he often compliments both both Liz and with Rose in the past. So Ed, on this reality show, he has been in two relationships over the span of the show, the first one with Rose, the next one with Liz, both young, a lot younger than him. And he gave them a lot of compliments up front. Uh, love bombers will communicate often. Did Big Ed communicate often with Rose and Liz? Mm, hard to tell. They don't really show that much detail on this show, so we'd have to ask Liz and Rose. But there seems to be some evidence of that. There's one scene where Liz is getting in the car to go home, and it's late at night, and Big Ed's like, text me when you get home. Again, not a slam dunk evidence of love bombing, but, you know, data. Another sign is that love bombers will move quickly. And this is a massive yes. (laughs) Big Ed and his relationship with Liz, it's like a quintessential example of possible love love bombing. It's a major theme between Liz and Ed is that Ed wants to say, I love you quickly. He wants to move in quickly. He wants to, you know, and Liz is constantly going, whoa, you're going so fast. Another sign is that love bombers might try to save you. They will offer to save you. You know, I want to spoil you. Spoil you. Yes. Uh, resounding yes. This is a quintessential example. Big Ed with both Rose and Liz has said things that are quintessential to love bombers. I'm not diagnosing him. It's not really a diagnosis anyway, uh, but I'm not diagnosing from him from afar. I'm just saying that what's presented us on the show if you want to see an example of the, um, you know, what love bombing looks like when someone's trying to save another person, their their um, partner in a narcissistic way, that's what it looks like. I'm not I'm not saying that's what he's doing. I'm just saying that's what it's an example. Of. Another sign is that love bombers will push for commitment quickly. Yes, quintessential example on the show. Another sign is love bombers will, you will find yourself agreeing to things you wouldn't do normally. Yes, quintessential quintessential example, Liz is often agreeing to do things that she was just earlier. She's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to move that fast. Love bombers don't react well when you try to slow down. So with this one with Ed, there's not any direct evidence from my memory anyway. And in some ways, he seems to react well. When Ed wants to move fast with Liz, she actually will push back and say like, no, and he'll, he'll allow for that. So maybe he's not high in the spectrum or things are happening behind you know, the scenes that we don't know about. Hard to say. Another sign is love bombers will give you many gifts. And I don't remember any evidence of this with Liz, but there was some evidence of this with Rose because Rose lived in the Philippines and was living in poverty relative to Ed, and Ed was sending her a lot of gifts and stuff. Another sign of a love bomber is you will, as the victim, you will feel an unnamed fear of displeasing them. It's hard to know. We would have to talk with Liz and Rose about this, but there seems to be at least some circumstantial evidence that Liz feels fear of displeasing him. Another sign is that your friends will say that you've changed in a bad way. Uh, Here we don't have any evidence because we don't have access to Liz's friends, to my memory. 
Another sign is love bombers will talk crap about their exes. Uh, yeah, Big Ed tends to talk crap about his exes, but you know it's hard to know. It's not a quintessential example. Love bombers might be older than you, or they might be younger than you, right? And yes, absolutely, quintessential example that Ed, if he were a narcissistic love bomber, is absolutely right down the middle in terms of choosing partners that are a lot younger than him who need him and might need his money or his power or something like that. And again, I want to be clear that if, uh, you know, people that suffer from narcissistic personality disorder who love bomb, they're not doing it uh, in a Machiavellian way. They're not doing it purposefully. They are running from their deep, deep insecurity, and in the process, they're bulldozing other people through love bombing, if that makes any sense. They get hurt easily. Uh, Yes, we absolutely see that Ed gets hurt very easily by the infamous phone call that I did a reaction to where he was being verbally abusive to Liz. They will choose vulnerable targets, and this seems to be a yes Uh, Rose was in a tough spot given her poverty. She literally couldn't take care of her own son because she didn't have the money and she had to have the father, biological father of the child take care of her son. And she was very sad about that. So she was very vulnerable and needed someone. And Big Ed comes swooping in and says, I will save you. And uh, Liz seems like a people pleaser. So Uh, They both seem potentially vulnerable to love bombing. So, okay, in conclusion, it looks like possible narcissistic love bombing, meaning that uh, he might, I don't know, I want to be clear, (laughs) I can't diagnose, and for the love of God, people do not post on Reddit or something that I diagnosed Ed with something because I I have not. I, I hope everyone understands my integrity in that way. But... What's presented on the show, which is you know very limited, limited information, a strong hypothesis to investigate if Ed were a client is possible narcissistic personality spectrum. Not very high though. I mean, definitely, definitely on the spectrum, possibly, but not not high because I've treated people much higher than than what he seems to be. And um, yeah, and I've seen much more severe sorts of love bombing. So he has some of the quintessential signs that would justify an investigation if if there was you know nece- if that was necessary. So what's some evidence of narcissism that he presents? Well, his face is everywhere. He puts his stickers and his you know logos everywhere, and it's literally just his face. Now, is that narcissistic? People say that, of course, on the internet. But you know, he's trying to make money. And I think a lot of people are buying his merch. So, I mean, I sell merch (laughs) and you could say it's so narcissistic that Kirk sells merch of things that he says, (laughs) you know, like uh, my most of the merch, if not all are thing, just quirks that I say in, in my episodes, am I narcissistic because of that? No, it's, it's, it's just marketing, right? Is Madonna narcissistic because she sells CDs? No, because now do you have to be a little narcissistic to begin the uh, path career wise where you're selling things along those lines? Yeah. You got to be a little self-absorbed. Um, and I'll admit that for sure. Uh, 
so there's that. But when we look at everything in the entirety with Big Ed, the selling his face everywhere, having the, his face on the shower curtain and all that kind of stuff is all, you know, part of the part of the whole thing. Very charming. Big Ed is very charming, which is a, a hallmark of many people with narcissistic personality. When he is humiliated, he seems to become abusive to Liz over the phone. Hard to say, though. He, it seemed like he felt humiliated when she drove a coworker home. He blames others when he makes mistakes, but not all the time. You know, we, we see that sometimes he's able to absolutely take responsibility for his issues. So some narcissism, but not a lot, perhaps. Also, he has deep insecurity, which we see. We see he goes into modes where he he's at the sort of end of the line and he can't, you know, there's there's no nothing to grab onto. And we see him in a very, very uh, sad, desperate place where he feels completely worthless. Now, some people would say, well, he's a psychopath and he's just making all that up. You know, it's possible, but it's also possible that it's the sort of insecurity that exists with narcissism. And people with narcissistic personality disorder tend to bounce back quickly from that deep pain and will go into a very optimistic mode, which Big Ed uh, seems to do. All right, so let's talk, and again, I want to be clear, (laughs) I'm not diagnosing Big Ed. Uh, The stuff that we see on the show is, one, the stuff that the cast members choose to show us in front of, you know, the cameras, because obviously 99.9% of life exists outside of the cameras. And two, we're presented with what the producers of the show choose to show us. And you know that at least part of it is manipulated. Okay, so let's talk about my personal experience um, with love bombing. And I'll be vague. This was years ago. It was a friend of mine. But I'm going to change some things to protect you know, the identity. I don't have to do that because this is a client, but you know, I just feel it would be a good idea to do that. So a friend of mine went on a date with a woman. This was years ago. And I remember him calling me after the first date and saying, oh, my God, I'm so in love with this person. You wouldn't believe it. It's my soulmate. And, and I, I, was like, I was like, whoa, that seems really fast. First date? You're already sure that you're going to spend the rest of your life with this person? Um, but I didn't say anything. You know, I was happy for him. And then I didn't see him for weeks because he was always with her. And it bothered me. But, you know, I was happy for him. You know, this happens all the time. It's like you fall in love and you you don't see your friend. And then a few months later, you start seeing your friend a little bit more. (laughs) So I thought that's what was happening. A few months later, their relationship ended abruptly, very quickly, strangely, honestly. And I asked him what happened. And he told me his perspective, of course. And I conceptualized what happened. I thought, this sounds like love bombing to me. So let's, again, go over the science. So... The love bomber, did she choose a vulnerable target? Yes. He was desperate to meet his soulmate. He was very lonely. He had, was recently dumped in a long-term relationship. He has some relational traumas and thus makes him definitely a vulnerable target for love bombing. The love bombing is what it did to him is it was like, yes, finally, I'm worthy of this kind of relationship. I'm normal. I Because he'd had this string of, of difficult relationships and then thought he found his soulmate was dumped and then he's and then he's back to where he started and he really was looking for some you know confirmation that he was good enough to have a good relationship uh frequent compliments not sure i wasn't there could be 
another sign. They communicate often, yes, all day long. Um, this was the early days of texting, and I just remember thinking, I, I, it, in the early days of texting, you'd get like a text once a day or maybe once a week or something. And I, because I think you actually paid for text back then. Anyway, and I remember they would text all day long. I'm just like, what are you doing? Why don't you just talk to each other? <laughs> and now it's like, that's all that I do is text people. My wife will be on the other side of the house and I'll text her because <laughs> I don't, I'm too lazy. I don't want to get up and go. Anyway, uh, yeah. So they communicated often. Uh, she would text him very frequently. I remember noting that like, wow, she's really a, a very frequent texter. Uh Love bombers will move very quickly. Yes, absolutely. She said, I love you, I think, on the first date. She pressured him to get married and have kids right away, and he went along with it, even though later on he's like, why did I go along with it? Love bombers might offer to save you. Uh, There's no evidence of that. At least I didn't hear anything. Love bombers will push for a commitment very quickly. Yes, absolutely. Love bombers... Will uh, you will find yourself agreeing to do things you wouldn't normally do? Yes, I think so. Anyway, for him, uh, they love bombers don't react well when you try to slow down. Yes, absolutely, because he w- wasn't even sure if he wanted to have kids or not, and when or get married or you know just that kind of stuff. He was young, and we were all young. And when he pushed back on getting married and having kids, she wouldn't talk to him for days. Another sign of love bombing is they will give you many gifts. I don't remember hearing about that. Uh, Love bombers will make you feel an unnamed fear of displeasing them. Yes, absolutely. He reported feeling a subtle fear around her that he buried. Your friends will say that you've changed in a bad way. And uh, this one is actually a no, but we thought it. (laughs) We just, we didn't didn't say anything. I mean, I didn't think anything was terrible, but um, I remember thinking like, wow, that's really fast. Another sign is, that they will talk crap about their exes. I'm not sure about that one. They might have an age difference. No. Um, she was actually, well, actually, she was younger than him. You know, fair, for the time anyway, a fair amount younger than him. And so maybe it was kind of like a borderline type of love bombing. Um, that was my guess. Anyway, uh, they will get hurt very easily, the love bombers. Yes, she was frequently upset and angry at him about something. So it seems like maybe a borderline type, but maybe also narcissistic type, hard to tell. Uh, It didn't seem psychopathic to me, but who knows? So yeah, am I at the end of my notes? I am. So before I forget, if y'all have stories of love bombing, I would love to hear about them. Go to psychologysound.com, click on the contact button, and email me from there. The pod wife will you know, all those emails into a folder for me and I maybe will do a follow-up because I'd love to hear the nuances, your reactions, you know, different stories. And, you know, try to be specific because, you know, use this model that I'm presenting right now, the the different signs of it, the, the qualities of it, right? You have choosing a vulnerable target. So if you want to pause it right now, get out a pen and paper. So choosing a vulnerable target, Frequent compliments. They communicate often. They move quickly. They might offer to save you. They push for a commitment quickly. You find yourself agreeing to do things you wouldn't do normally. They don't react well when you try to slow down. They give you many gifts. You feel an unnamed fear of displeasing them. 
Your friends say you've changed in a bad way. They talk crap about their exes. They might be, there might be a big age difference and they get hurt easily. And it's different from just falling in love in that they don't respond well to your bound to, you know, establishing a boundary. Their love seems conditional. They don't respond well to your criticism and, uh, you know, you have a deep down fear of them. And let me know what you think. Is it, do you think the person was a psychopath? Do you think they had narcissistic personality traits of borderline traits, histrionic traits? Um, that would be lovely. And I'll do a follow-up uh, episode in which I will, you know, further the conversation. I'd love to hear your, your opinions or just opinions about this episode. Just be like, well, you know, Kirk, I don't know about that point, this point, you know, the, the the online literature is actually really helpful. I don't know. Just let me know. So again, going back to the very beginning, my definition, my working definition of love bombing, two, t- two different types, and they're very different from each other. The first type is a conscious attempt to manipulate and control a person using grand demonstrations of affection. This is the psychopathic type or sadistic type, and it's a rare type. So conscious attempt to control you by using grand demonstrations of affection. The second type is a subconscious effort to gain attachment security through hasty and extreme affection. Love bombing can occur within any abusive relationship, romantic, friend, work, etc. Pimps might use love bombing to recruit and control sex workers, and high-control organizations such as gangs, cults, and churches might use love bombing for recruitment. All right. Well, that does it for that episode. Well, let me, what's my final word here? My final word is this. If you've been love bombed, you know how it feels. It feels great in the beginning. It feels awful in the end. And there's a lot of relational traumas you can sustain from that treatment. It's no joke. It is abusive, especially if it's, if it lasts for 15 years, because you can be love, you can be cyclically love bombed for 15 years longer, even. And it's no joke. It's not just we went on three dates and he was really into me and then he ghosted me. I'm being, I was love bombed. That's not love bombing. Love bombing is severe. Love bombing is traumatic. It is awful. And uh, so let's, let's all honor the victimization, the survivorship of these individuals. Maybe some of you are some of those people. The other thing I want to say is some of you probably have love bomb people inadvertently. You're, you know, you're not psychopathic. You, you met someone and you thought, oh my God, this is the one. And you felt all of your heart was just pouring out towards this person. And it felt so good. And you're like, I'm going to go with it because it's been so long since I've, I've had a love like this. I want to see them every day. And you're texting them all the time. And you're like, you're the best person on the planet. And you're really laying into it and you're just like, this is so good. You're telling all your friends, this is the one. And then something happens, you get triggered by them and you're just like, nope, 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 nope out. I'm done. Peace out. This is over. And, and then they, you know, move away from you. And then you think about, no, what did I do? I made a mistake. And you go back to that person. You're just like, I'm so sorry. And you love bomb them again and you pull them back into your, to a relationship with you because you think that they're the one. Cycle goes on and on and 
um, at the end, you know, you, two of you break up and the your partner, upon hearing the term love bombing and what it all entails, is like, yeah, you love bombed me. So some of you listening right now might look back at some of your relationships and be like, yeah, I think I've love bombed people. But there's no shame in it. You didn't do it on purpose. Now, if you're a psychopath, did it on purpose, then shame on you. But if you did it for borderline reasons, narcissistic reasons, histrionic reasons, what are you going to do? Your relational traumas are real and your triggers are real and your needs are real and your distortions are real. Your paranoia is understandable. Uh, your being triggered is understandable. And you're also going to inadvertently love bomb people. And that's my big point here is that when we dilute the term love bombing, it harms the victims of actual love bombing. When we dilute a word like gaslighting or OCD, we also harm those who suffer legit from those issues. But when we simplify uh, love bombing to psychopathic love bombing, then we label people that are not psychopathic and did not mean to love bomb others as psychopathic, which is also not okay. There's a lot of reasons why people do the things they do not all of them, you know, not every harmful person woke up in the morning and psychopathically said, I'm going to get you. In fact, most people didn't. You, Most of the people statistically that have harmed you did so out of an insecurity, out of a defense, out of lack of awareness, out of a relational trauma, out of a personality disorder. They did not, uh, you know, purposely do it. And we understand that, you know, disorders in the DSM – these are disorders. They're not choices. These are problems with personality and with, with psychology. People don't choose these things. Having said all that, there are psychopathic con artists out there, people who don't care about your feelings and absolutely are out to get you. And some of you are victims of those people as well. So love bombing needs to be understood in all of those dimensions and if you only understand one out of those seven dimensions, you are demeaning a lot of other people. And everyone out there, please take care of yourself because you deserve it. You really, really do.